wonderful to know that blood amen it it'll reach to the highest mountain it'll find you in the lowest valley it'll cleanse you from every sin and to know the blood is the Holy Spirit when it's been applied to our hearts we are so thankful for that today amen God bless you don't want you to be alarmed because Brother Ron didn't come out with us and Brother Timothy, they were delayed just for a moment, but they'll be making their entrance here in just a little bit. So um, you cannot worry about that. and We can get into the Word of God. He had a good night last night. He's a warrior and um, he's recovered well and will be speaking tonight. So no need for alarm. Amen. It's, um, it's just... Um, we're just so thankful for what God has done for our brother Ron. And my, the, the powerful message we heard last night and, and the, the grace of God. It just gives us, gives us all a, a boost and an encouragement. And, and um, we are so blessed by brother Ron and his ministry. The Lord is certainly using him in ways that would have never been done if just a miracle had taken place. And, and uh, he hadn't had to go through this, but to see him persevere under trial, amen, has been an inspiration to us all. And I know many of you have drawn strength from that, as I have, and we have been so blessed to see the Lord just bring him through uh, one thing after another, and God uh, just coming on the scene. You know, I, I remember, what was it, a dozen years ago, when I visited him in the hospital, and and um, he, had, uh, he had been in a very severe burn, and they were not expecting him to live. And, and uh, I walked into that hospital room, and 
I felt like I had all the prayers of all the believers from everywhere around the world. I, I, if I, I said if I ever felt like a, a high priest then, I felt it then, you know, where you, you come in with the incense of all the other prayers and offer them before God. And we laid hands upon him and prayed with him there. And I, I told him, I whispered in his ear and I said, I have not come to, to, to anoint you for death. I have come to anoint you for life. And then we saw the Holy Spirit move, and, and, and as I prayed, I just said, Lord, let me, let me, before I leave here, because he had taken a turn for the worse even after that, and the doctors had given up on him, said he would die, and, and was about to harvest his organs. You've heard the story, and, and uh, I prayed there with my wife there at um, Cracker Barrel as I went to see him. I said, Lord, I've got to leave today, but don't let me leave without seeing my friend uh, raised up from there and doing well. And, and, uh, and we saw that victory as we, before we left, we saw him up talking and speaking and, amen, on his way to recovery. And God's still God. Amen. Amen. He's God on the mountain. He's God in the valley. He's God in our great troubles. God is still God, and he'll be God for you. Amen, this morning. So let's just talk to him right now as we just bow before the throne of grace. and Maybe as we would approach the Father, maybe you'd want to lift a hand to him and say, Lord, don't pass me by. Will you just minister to me in some way? I need you, Father. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on other, you are calling. Let me reach out and get a hold of your garment today. Let my faith touch you. Lord, you can even pull from a minister. My faith can even pull him to say things he didn't even have in his notes or he didn't even think of. And, stop just by my pew and minister to me. He knows my name. He knows my situation. He's a discerner of every thought, intent of the heart. Lord Jesus, today, I want to raise my hands to both of them. I just need you. I can't find the way without you. I must have your leadership and guidance. And I stand here, Lord, in a very, very tremendous place this morning to address this portion of your bride, your people. It's an awesome responsibility. Somewhat a terrible responsibility. But Lord, you've ordained us and called us in this hour and this time. And you're able to direct the word to the target exactly what is needed. And there are many that have raised a hand toward you. They didn't raise it toward me. They know I can't help them. I'm just a human like them, a mortal. And I need you as much as they do. But Lord, I pray today that as they lifted a hand toward you, you being the intercessor, our approach to spirit God is through the man Christ Jesus. And we're so thankful you came and tasted humanity and experienced what we experience so that we would have a high priest that we could go to. 
who could be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, who would know what it meant to be a man and suffer as men do. And I pray, Lord, that today you'll just respond to their need. As I just take each one of them spiritually by the hand now, that lifted a hand toward you and said, Lord, I need you. And I take them by the hand and before the throne right now. And, and I say, Jesus, you see what your enemy, the devil, has done to your children. Your bride, your spouse, Lord. We know God as a man, something would rise up in us if somebody was doing that to our wife. We know something's got to move in your heart when you look on your people. As we quote the prophet of God, when Satan takes after one of God's little ones, he's got Jesus Christ on his hands. Lord, today, we're like Esther. We're like Esther coming before the throne and we're saying this wicked Haman, this wicked one, you see what he's been doing to your children. You see what he's threatening to do. Move on our behalf. Move on our behalf. Hang him on that same, that same noose with that same noose that he had designed to destroy us. Destroy him. I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll intercede on the behalf of your people. Because you ever live to make intercession on behalf of our confession. And we confess, Lord, it's all paid for. Our debt is clean and we are clean before you so we can come boldly before your throne. We can ask help in the time of need. Now, as we look to the word, Lord, as I said, they're just thoughts. Lord, I did my best to try to find them a level of communication with you to find direction for these meetings. But now, Lord, I just pray that you'll step into me now. Oh, God, as I yield myself and surrender, that you'll step into me as a man and you'll minister to your people. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this church, this assembly. Thank you, Lord, for this ministry and the ministry team here. May they continue on as a lighthouse. Oh, God, for the end time message in this last day until you take us home and the lights go out in the last age. Now, bless in the name of Jesus the word that we are about to receive. Nourish it to our spiritual body in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 23. And I just want to say it's a joy to be together with you and have this privilege of serving the Lord together. And thank you, Brother Ed, for all your kind hospitality and for this wonderful invitation to be here. And thank you to all the ministers that have come and, and, and uh, supported the meeting. It wouldn't be what it is without you and all the different folks from different places and the hometown here in Edmonton, we appreciate each one of you and want to just say thank you, amen, for your kind attention and your love to us. And You know, I'd love to be able to shake hands with every one of you, spend a few moments with you. We don't mean to be isolationists, 
But I, I hope you understand if we slip in and out, Brother, Brother Ron has um, been instructed not to be exposed to too many people and things like that. So we try to protect him as well. Amen. But, um, you know, sometimes we can't do enough. And uh, so we look to the Lord, of course. Amen. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. And when he was entered into his ship, his disciples followed with him or followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch the ship was covered with waters, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Oh, why are you fearful, and so, O ye of little faith? And then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesians, there he met him too possessed with the devil, coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. Then if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, just a couple of more chapters over, verse 22. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship, to go before him unto the other side, and while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was uh, come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. And then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. Amen. Amen. May God bless you. As you can have your seats. Today I want to speak again on is there hope of revival? And Brother Branham, of course, you know, proclaimed the end of the Azusa Street and the divine healing revival. And in fact, I was there as a young boy when he stood in life tabernacle and, and preached on the invisible union of the bride of Christ. And there he directed his sermon to the church, the body of Christ. 
And many of them, um, I watched them get up and exit the building. And then they actually had some meetings there with the ministry. And um, they were not going to let Brother Branham finish the meetings. And they missed him at the motel and would come back a little bit. Uh, let him let him come and speak the next service, and it was more on faith and and uh, the healing side. And they decided to let him continue the meetings, but they had a little talk with him about the old times. And I guess you're so busy with your message, you don't have time for things like um, uh, the lamb and the dove. And, and Brother Branham would preach that great memorial sermon on the wings of a snow white dove. I remember those that meeting. I was. I was just an 11-year-old boy. I'd asked for a suit that year for my birthday and a Bible with my name on it because I was getting ready to preach already. And, uh, you know, I did start full-time ministry at 15. And I'd look, and there was windows like this, except they were a little higher. And someone, Junior Jackson or someone, had had a dream of angels coming down through that windows and, and the meetings. And Brother Branham told about that and I sat there listening to Brother Branham and watching for those angels, and um, you know it, it. Those things moved my childish heart, and um, I'll be quite honest with you. When he broke out into that last verse, said I, I've written a verse to that, and though I've suffered in many a way, and I cried for healing both, both night and day, but faith wasn't forgotten by the Father above. He sent down a sign on the wings of a dove. And, and you know, for me, that just kind of topped it all off. I said, wow, you know, he can, has these visions and discerns the hearts and turns his back to the congregation and calls them out and does, a, you know, there's been miracles and signs and wonders and he even writes songs. <laughs> So you see, it was just a, a really a wow moment for me. But those things impact your life forever. And, uh, but he stood there in life tabernacle and, and, uh, and he spoke. He said, um, I direct my sermon to the church, the body of Christ, that we're trying to lead to deeper thoughts and higher objectives. Believing that the coming of the Lord is at hand. And we believe that much more. It's 20 years closer than it was the first time I come to Shreveport. And of course, that would have been 1946 at the beginning of the, of the revival. And, and shortly after the angel of the Lord came to him that he would visit Shreveport. And he said, so much has happened since that time. Now, we're looking forward for the coming of the Lord in our generation. I'm not looking for revival in our generation. I'm looking for the coming of the Lord in our generation. So, he was not looking for another worldwide revival or another repeat of Azusa. Or he wasn't looking for another uh, divine healing movement where that there would be thousands go out then inspired by him and and um, another Billy Graham rise on the scene and thousands follow him with, and, uh, and a pattern after his ministry and others copy after Brother Branham. And he was not looking for that. He was expecting the coming of the Lord. And I believe that we are in the coming of the Lord. Amen. I believe that the word came to a prophet. That was the coming of the Lord to the, a prophet. Not a physical coming, but the word coming.
And I believe that the, that same word had to become flesh in a people that they, after they ate the book, they could prophesy again. So I believe the Lord has come and that he is, his now has appeared among us in bride form. And it's the same God. He's just changing his mask all the time. Now, so as we're looking at this this morning, but we, we're, we want to speak on the subject of revival. And Brother Branham would tell him in Albuquerque in 63, right after the seals, he said, now you hear me then, if you believe me to be a messenger sent from Christ to you, you believe me. If, if, not, if you're not in the kingdom of God, you better press right quick. It will not get better. It will grow worse all the time. Just mark that down. Remember and see whether it's right or wrong. You, you, you see if it's going to be right or wrong. It's, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. It's going to get harder all the time. The revival is gone. You're only gleaning in the field. She is over. And now you say, I disagree with that. Fine. It's okay if you do. That's all right. But that's my conviction and that's my hearing from heaven. I believe the Laodicean age is the Pentecostal age where she comes to that place of lukewarm and God spews her from his mouth. And there's where she's come right now. The Pentecostal movement has come to that place. Lukewarm, not red hot, not ice cold. You are not cold and you're, you're not cold and formal. Neither are you hot. You are in the spewing stage and you're going. And, and now, of course, we can all say, yeah, that's right. I mean, that's all true about the denominational system. But sadly, message churches are not immune to this. People can get so hard and, and not tender and sensitive to the Spirit of God. And they're lukewarm about it. And Brother Branham even spoke of this in his own church just before he parted in, uh, in July of 65. He said, I told my wife, told Brother Woods, when I got here and some friends I met, I've had about five years of hardly know what to do. See, the revival itself among the churches has died. Everyone knows that. You feel it in this tabernacle. So it wasn't something that was just affecting the denomination. It's affecting the whole world in, in every aspect. He said, you feel it everywhere. There's a thump, a dead feeling. There's just something isn't right. It's because the revival enthusiasm has gone away from the people. Go into the churches, you see them sitting there, and the pastor is stumbling around for a message or something or another, and first thing you know, he's turned it off to some kind of party they're going to have or something. It seems to be a dead thump everywhere. So, you know, again, because of this, many times the ministry, as he said, stumbling around for a message, you know, because of the lack of the, of, of the Spirit, men actually have turned to psychology to put band-aids on sin problems. Amen. I mean, we, we've actually went through a whole cycle and it's still happening in many places where psychology is what is being offered and, and extolled and, and, and said that was necessary and books on uh, Dr. Dobson or these other Christian psychologists, they call them, you know, they are passed around because we got trouble in our churches. We got problems here in the family and we got to figure out ways to fix the problem. 
Well, I'll tell you, a good dose of the baptism of the Holy Ghost will fix about 99% of your marriage problems. It'll fix your teenage rebellion. It'll, it'll fix the sin problem everywhere. Just get a good dose of the Holy Ghost. But you see, he said the church sits spiritually dead, gone. The hour is past them. They're in a slump. Hardly know what to do. One running this way and one running that way. And, and, and here, every promise that God made in the Bible, every one of them is laying there just as good as they ever was. It's the hour. He said, what makes a church like this? We're in the age of Laodicea when she has to come this way. But praise God, I read in, the, in that same chapter there about the lukewarm spirit. And it says to him that overcomes. Well, he couldn't say to him that overcometh unless there's somebody going to overcome. Amen. Now, so again, God likes to show his power. He likes to do that. It pleases him to show his omnipotence, to let his subjects know who he is. Amen. And what does that do? It, it prepares their hearts. It makes them ready. It makes them brace up and take a new hold. And he said, the people who don't believe in divine healing and performing of miracles, I wonder, I no wonder our churches are, are dying. No wonder they're withering up to bloodless cults. And it's sad today, you know, many that are calling themselves or have identified to them as a, as a message of people, they're, they're just nothing more than a cult. If you don't belong to them, you can't fellowship, you can't enter, you can't. There's all kinds of awful things that are happening in the midst. Amen. I mean, marriages and divorces and remarriages and, and fixed marriages and every kind of problem that you can, you can imagine. And many times, you know, the message is no longer being even preached. But you see, God is a great phenomenal. He's a creator he, and he is Jehovah. He's the great reality. He's the great substance of everything that was made on the earth. Everything was made by him. He'll display his power by the sun rising every morning, by sending forth his rain, and by setting his rainbows in the sky. And he comes down to his subjects and he heals our sickness, saves us from our sins. God likes to display the phenomenal. And speaking of the early church, early church, Brother Brandon said, notice if it's a church that when they obeyed what God said originally, and it is the word of God, look at the miracles and the signs and so forth they had, and, the, and you don't have them at all today, it's an evidence that God is not with you. And, and so signs will follow them that believe. Amen, because he said that they will be casting out devils. They will believe in healing. They will be speaking with new tongues. They will believe all the supernatural works of God, the resurrected Jesus working among them. Amen, to try to take that away, you will be cursed. Amen, and what the, you know, and so Brother Brandon said, that's just the way it is. You try to add to it, you try to take from it, you'll be cursed. Try to take that out of the church. You're a cursed people. 
Amen. He said, was the Pentecostal church a noisy church back in the beginning when the Holy Ghost first fell? The Virgin Mary, like she was drunk, staggering under the power of God and all of them like that. And people said, they're full of new wine. That's the way the church was ordained. That's the way every church is ordained. Every time God has a church, he'll have that kind of church. You know, it even got taught among us, you know. Actually, it actually got taught among us that, oh, we get the Holy Ghost like Mary did. You know, um, you know when, Mary, when Mary got it, she got it without sensation. And, and, and she conceived there, and, and it was of the Holy Ghost. That was not when she got the Holy Ghost. That's when she got pregnant. When she got the Holy Ghost, she was in the upper room. She staggered like a drunk woman. She spoke in other tongues like the rest of them. Amen. And Brother Brandon said, if you don't get the Holy Ghost like Mary did, he said, you're not going to enter in. He said, if God wouldn't let her into heaven without that kind of Pentecostal experience, he's not going to let you into heaven. So that's a lie. That's not how we receive the Holy Ghost. Not, not even a teaching of the message. That was a teaching of a backslidden preacher. Now, you see, in secondhand robe, he said, they say divine healing can't work. The days of miracles is past. He says, if the days of miracles is past, the days of God is past. The church that don't believe in the supernatural will finally die, and God will leave that church. So, again, we, we ask, is there possibility, is there any possibility that there could be somebody on fire for God in this last day? Is there a possibility that someone would be hot? I, I'm not worried about the coldness. My goodness, the whole world is, is either lukewarm or cold. But is there going to be somebody hot? Is there going to be somebody fervent? Is there somebody going to be full of the power of God? Is there hope for revival? That's my question today. Brother Branham said it seems like a drying out of the churches. And I hardly can find a church anywhere that's alive with the Word and with the Spirit of God and great things taking place like it was not long ago. God of this evil age, listen to this. This is August just before he leaves us. He says, now she's, she has caused the whole world except the scientific leadership of the educational program that Satan has given to her under the name of a church, the leadership of an educational scientific program. I'm, I'm picturing to you the God of this world. When she as Eve had the very filling of God's word in her hand, she could have taken God's word, but what should she do to that? Instead of tarrying for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let science prove to her that the Holy Ghost was only for the disciples. And instead of keeping divine healing going, when she ought to be now raising the dead and doing great miracles, she has let Satan under his leadership of religious man take the word of God and try to say it was for another age. Now you see, that's the condition. 
And that's what Brother Branham said, instead of keeping it going. You see, we were never to let the Holy Spirit die out in our church and the phenomenal to quit. Amen. There ought to be a holy power surrounding the church that makes demons flee. Where sin is uncomfortable in our midst. Where it's called out and exposed and can't be hidden anymore. And there's an Ananias Sapphira. But Brother Adam said, instead of that, we become a laughing stock. He said, what is it? Mechanics instead of dynamics. I'm quoting him. He said, then they have the nerve to say, wonder what happened to God of the Bible. Where is that God? He said, well, you choked him out by your creeds. Yeah, creeds is just doctrinal statements. You know, I believe. That's what creed means. I believe. This is what we believe. And, and so creeds, in one sense, creed, the creeds aren't wrong. We all have creeds. No creed but Christ, no book but the Bible. So you see, Christ should be our creed, what we believe. Amen. But he said, you try to place him back in history. And this has happened. We sometimes point way back what God used to do. How he worked and through a prophet and how he vindicated the message and, and, and say, we, we don't need vindication anymore. What did the New Testament church needed vindication? These signs shall follow them that believe. And the Lord went with them, working signs and wonders among them. Amen. This was the proof that the Lord was with them. Silver and gold have I none. They knew they had been with Jesus. You see, they had vindication. Well, the message don't need vindication, no, but you as a believer needs vindication. God has vindicated and proved the message, but you see, he must show himself alive with us over and over and over again. Well, I don't need a miracle. I do. Well, I tell you, we, we don't need healing. We, we, we got doctors. No, we need divine healing. Amen. Now, he's still God, uh, the God of history, but he's waiting for somebody to call him up out of history. God remains the same. He's forever God. And so he says, and when we begin to find out miracles isn't taking place no more, like they were, the sick go home sick. It isn't because of God, it's because of the lack of revival among the people. There's no revival. They just sit and listen and go home and say, well, I guess that was pretty good. Mm -hmm. See, there's not that zeal. There's not that something in the people that should be there. Now, Brother Branham often talked about two classes of people. He said, if I could just get these two together. And he said, one is fundamental, you know, and he said the other, of course, he said, were the Pentecostal. In other words, he said, if I could just get them together, he said, in my travel, one's a fundamental. They know by the mechanics. Positionally, they know by the mechanics. They are the, to be sons and daughters of God. 
You know, I spoke to a man that was so mechanically sure of his salvation. As a Baptist man, he sat there with me and was talking to me about a situation that he was contemplating. And, and he said, now, I'm not here to talk about my salvation. I am saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I know without a doubt I'm going to be there. I'm secure. You know, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I know beyond a shadow of doubt I'll be in that rapture as he sucked his cigarette, lit another and off of that one and sucked another. And then he was contemplating marrying for the third time. And then he, then he had just been arrested for drunk driving just two weeks before and spent a few nights in jail. But he was so sure. He had the mechanics so down of a position. I'm a son of God. But he had no dynamics. He had no life to go with it. Amen. And he said that the next I find is a Pentecostal's day. They were the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not many times this baptism was just, was rarely on the soul, just on the flesh, just screaming and shouting and worked up emotion. Now, we know that everywhere Jesus is, there's noise. But there can be noise, and Jesus ain't nowhere. So it ain't just noise that we're trying to get. Revival isn't just noise. I want to get some thoughts to you. We get noise confused with the anointing. Noise ain't the anointing. And Brother Brandon said, I've seen a lot of noise and not enough faith to cure a toothache. You, you know, you've got to come solemnly to the Father, you know, with, with, with assurance. You know who you are. But he said, I've seen people shout and praise the Lord, not enough faith to heal a toothache. And actually, actually, we've had a faction of the message that have trained their, their congregation to give a response of running down to the platform, standing there shouting and screaming to the preaching. Noise. That has been sometimes confused even for the evidence of the Holy Ghost. You know, and much of it is no different from the priest of Baal who Elijah mocked as they tried to scream down the power of their God. But you see, the evidence of the token is not noise. It is a surrendered life to God. So he said, brother, the whole, all four was dancing the spirit. And he said, not enough faith to heal a toothache. You call that power, that's not power, that's blessings. And there's a lot of difference between blessings and power. Amen. God makes his blessings on the, the righteous and the unrighteous. Amen. But he said, we need to get back to the truth. But I'm just going to say, on the other hand, just theology don't work either. Come on, just drop theology, don't do it either. We've seen people so pumped with theology, they ain't enough faith to heal a toothache. Paul saw it coming. He warned, he warned about a subtle priesthood that would come and take over with false doctrines. And he knew they would implement a way of worship that excluded the people from any part of the Holy Spirit ministry. And he said, and even right today among those who claim to be free and full of the Spirit, there's not too much freedom in the laity. 
And the best we can see is a few preachers with inspired preaching while the flock just sits there and tries to absorb it. This is a far cry from Paul who said when all came together, all had the leading of the Spirit and all participated in spiritual worship. So we have, we have two groups of fundamentals. Oh my, word, word, word. And, the, and then the Pentecostals, spirit, spirit, spirit. And, I, and of course, you know, there has to be a third. One more group that has it all together. Brother Branham longed to see it. And if I could just get these two together, that's what his message was to produce. Fundamentals, they know positionally where they're at, but they don't have any faith. Pentecostals got a lot of faith and don't know who they are. He says, like one having money in the bank, the other and don't know how to write a check, and the other knows how to write a check, but he has no money in the bank. If we could get them together. Amen. I believe God's going to have it together. He said his bride would be without spot or wrinkle. Amen. And, and he said to Pentecost, if they could take that steam and know how to direct it fundamentally in the word, the big regime of God would start moving on. And he said, that's where Satan's got in. To make it all mechanics and no dynamics, or all dynamics and no mechanics, We've got to put it together. We've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit, but we've got to come back with the word to feed this machine. We can't feed it on creed. It won't burn it. It chokes up the flues. It will not burn it. It was made for the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, not as part of it. So Brother Branham accessed the condition of the day, and he spoke of it like two cars. One mechanically fine in that it had all the looks and the shine. You know, it had all of the beautiful plush seats and doe skin and, and, and diamond-studded steering wheel and polished hubs. And, and he says, what good does it do? He called it, give it a Simonized job. You know, that's a polishing job. And he said, what good does it do to polish it all up? It don't run. And that's what happens a lot of times is our religious ways have just become polished up. But it don't run. As I said yesterday, it won't run down to divine healing. It won't run to the power of God. It won't drive down to miracles. It won't, it won't drive down to holy lives. It sits right there and it won't go anywhere. It looks like a church, but it isn't with the power of God in it. Now, and he said, that, he said, until the church becomes both dynamics and mechanics, and the Spirit of God that moved him to do the same things he did, if he did on 16 cylinders, so will the bride. For he said in John 14, 12, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. I'll give him a charge of my dynamics in his mechanics that the world will not be able to withstand it and I'll raise him up again in the last day. That's the Easter message. The dynamics and the mechanics together. The mechanics without dynamics no good and neither is dynamics without the mechanics. 
mechanics. He said, you can scream and shout and jump up and down all you want to and deny this word. It won't do any good. You're just cranking around on the, on the pistons. You know, God, got to, you got to have the spark there to fire. You got the spark there to fire, but no gasoline to fire it by. It'll only work when it comes together. Amen. One will sit still, he said, and the other will go up. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be left here sitting still. I want to go up. I want to be a part of that rapture. The car that the brother Bradham left running, it'll drive to the rapture. But it'll only work if the two come together. Amen. And of course he says it won't move no matter how good the mechanics is until the dynamics come. And when the dynamics come, that fire that is made to connect with that octane in the gasoline, when that explodes, it causes a combustion. Hallelujah. I want to say there's power in the word. There's power in the message. It's full of uh, not just 98 of octane. It's full of the power of God. Hallelujah. There's lift of power in it. There's rapture and faith in it. Are you with me? It all lays right there in the word, but it takes the Holy Spirit dynamics to make that word live. So there are two thoughts of Brother Bradham interwailed back and forth. There, again, at the end of his ministry, he would preach a lot on, you know, about waking up Samson. We spoke about that yesterday. And there are two now, or day before now, but there, there are two thoughts of Brother Bradham interwailed back and forth. And one thought was contained in the testimony on the sea, go wake Jesus. And the others dealt with where the disciples um, were, and in that he dealt with the disciples had, had Jesus in the boat. Jesus was asleep in their boat, and they were testifying of all the great things that God had done. And the other one, be not afraid, he was telling us there's some that has actually went without Jesus. So you wind up with two factions. One has Jesus, but he's asleep. The other has went off without him. They started the journey and didn't take Jesus with them. And so now they get along life's journey and what happened? They get in the storms. Because you're going to get in the storms whether Jesus with you or not. You're going to have storms in your life. Are you with me? Now, so there are two thoughts. Go wake Jesus and be not afraid. And they revealed two conditions of the end time people. A person or a church who has Jesus in their boat but just needs to arouse him. Needs to arouse him. The only thing that will arouse him is your faith. Amen. Or a person or a church who is going off without Jesus and he's the very thing they need, but they're afraid of it. So some have him, but he needs to be awakened. And some don't, don't have him at all and they're afraid of it. You see, they're afraid to speak with tongues. 
Believers shouldn't be afraid of that. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Is that right? They might, they're afraid of the anointing because it might be an anointed one that says, in time. Well, you better be. Well, I don't want to be one of them anointed ones at the end time. You better be. The anointing was never sent for the tear. The rain did not come for the weeds. The rain came from the, for the wheat. It just happened to fall on the just and the unjust. It, it wasn't sent for them. It was sent for you. We, the bride, must be the anointed one of the day. In fact, that's why the mighty angel came. That was not a physical return of Christ. That was an anointing coming down. And that anointing would open the seals. It would reveal the mysteries. And once you ate it, oh, hallelujah, it would cause something to burst on the inside of you until you also gave witness. Hallelujah. So you better be the anointed ones at the end time. Amen. It's uh, that anointing, that rain that is sent to mature the wheat to make them rejoice. Brother Branham preached another sermon just before he left, and it was called Ashamed of Him. And he warned us about being ashamed of Christ. Because there's a whole age that is rejecting him. And he said, when it comes to accepting the fatherhood of the word of God Christ, no, they're embarrassed. They don't want to say, yes, I have spoke with tongues. Yes, I have seen visions. Yes, I believe in divine healing. Yes, I praise the Lord. Amen. You know, you know, some get embarrassed because Brother Ron said, I saw a vision. Oh, only Brother Branham could do that. Your God's in the past. Come on, Joel 2 said, in the last day, I'll pour out my spirit on sons and daughters. Old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. And I'll pour it up on handmaids and daughters, upon all flesh. And if you see them out there doing it, what are the bride of Christ? If they can rejoice over their anointing, what about us? Who's anointed with the mighty angel? And ashamed of him, he said, but let me say this, a man who has once come in contact with God, which is the word, and the word has been plain and manifested to him, there's no shameness about that. You are not embarrassed. It doesn't embarrass me to say, I believe every word of God. It doesn't embarrass me when the Lord says to do anything, you go and say and do it. It don't embarrass me to say I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. It don't embarrass me to say I've spoke with other tongues. It doesn't embarrass me to say that our Lord showed me vision. It don't embarrass me to say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now the disciples... They got out on this ship, and Jesus went to sleep. 
the divine healing revival had just kind of went over. They'd had great revivals and miracles and, you know, those testimonies in India, those testimonies of blind men in Africa or, or, or the blind man in Mexico the dead baby that came to life or the little crippled up uh, character, you know, that was there with a, with a chain around his neck and seemed straightened up and bones cracking, becoming a wrecked man and healed. Amen. Great revivals. They had seen marvelous things when they got out there on the sea. And they got out there kind of resting, relaxing, and in their relaxing time, Jesus went to sleep. And they were resting between revivals. Brother Tim, why are you preaching this? Because the resting between revivals cannot go on forever. It's time we start stressing the dynamics. And that's why I am announcing the rest between revivals is over. Amen. The bride is starting to realize they are the revival. We've had a good time coasting along and going over the mysteries and talking about the seals and, and looking at all the mechanics and tinkering with this and, ta- and some have tinkered with it till it won't run no more. They pulled out the plugs and set them at a different gap and made two lords out of them and, and it just sputters and won't go and it won't get out of the driveway. And some of them, well, we'll just wait for Brother Branham to come back. And when he comes back, he'll fix it. It's going to be too late when Brother Branham comes back. You're going to have to have the dynamics to be changed. Come on. You're going to have to have the Holy Ghost moving in your life. Or you're going to miss it. So the rest between revivals is over. We've had 60 years of that. It's going home time. It's rapture time. We've started out on a journey with a great divine healing revival that crescendoed. And think about it, it kept crescendoing and crescendoing and it reached an apex until, you know, the revelations of God went from just discerning the thoughts and intents of heart to revealing the word. Are you with me? Amen. That same God that could go back 40 years in a person's life could go back and show you were in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. Is that right? Amen. This was more important of where where your problem began. It could go back to Genesis and see the fall. This was more important than finding out that 40 years ago you were scared by a dog. This is where the church got off and sin entered in right back out here in Genesis in the beginning and trail that beast all the way to the end to where the devil has been totally exposed. The man of sin has been exposed. The mystery of iniquity that worked back in Paul's day, now we see it clearly. Now, 
Amen. It crescendoed into the book being opened by the Lamb and the seals being opened to where we are standing here today in the, in the very coming of the Lord, that seventh seal being opened that had broken the silence. What God held secret to other ages has now been made known. It's not silenced anymore. It's been revealed. You are privy to things that other ages didn't get to know. If Satan would have got a hold of it, that there would be seven ages and seven messengers in 2,000 years, he'd have done great damage with that. So God hid all of that until the last day. You see, we've been on a journey, and it's kind of like this, you know. Uh, we, we've been on a journey, and you've got to know where you're at. And God wanted you to know where you're at. He wanted you to know you're the last age. There's not another age coming. This is the last message, and if you miss it, you're going to miss it. Don't miss this junction. Amen. So, you know, it's kind of like one day I went on a journey. I had a friend, a brother in the church. You know, he was from Florida and made many trips down there. His dad passed away, and they wanted me to do the memorial service. So I got in my car, and I took him with me and his sister, and, and down to Florida we go. And before I leave on the journey, I just happened to remember I forgot my map. I said, that was days, you know, no GPS then. And so I, I forgot my map. And so... I said, wait, 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 wait. I said, I can't go nowhere till I get my map. And, and he said to me, ah, you don't need that old map. He said, I know the way like the back of my hand. I have been to Florida so many times. I can tell you exactly every time. I said, you know how to get to Florida. I don't know how to get to Florida. You don't need a map, but I need a map, buddy. So I went back in and I got my map. And I looked and I charted out my journey. Okay, you make this turn, this turn, this turn. And, and I kind of got it down in my mind and we could refer to my map anytime I needed to. And we start along the journey. And by about two in the morning, it's about 16-hour drive there. And about two in the morning, I got real tired. And I said, hey, would you drive for an hour? Uh, and he said, yeah. He said, I'll let you rest for an hour. He said, I'd be glad to. I said, okay, I'm going to go to sleep. Now, there's a turn down here you want to watch. Listen, you can go to sleep. I've been this way many, many times. So I go to sleep. And I'm sleeping maybe 30, 40 minutes, and all of a sudden I feel the vehicle come to a stop. And I raise up, and I look around, and he, I said, where are we? He said, I don't know. The road just disappeared. I said, roads just can't disappear. I said, where are we at? He said, oh, I don't know. Look on that map and tell us where we're at. I said, the map don't work that way. I can't look at this map and tell you where, where we're at. I said, but since you got us lost, you see that store right there? Walk in there and ask this question, where am I? If you can tell me where we are, I can look on this map and get us back on the right road to Florida. You're getting the drift. That's what God did in this day. We had a road map, but we didn't know where we were. 
so God sent a seer, a prophet, that opened the map and said, right here's where you're at. You're in the last age. You're in the last days, little children. It's rapture time. Hallelujah. Now we can use the road map to go all the way. You know why? Because that seer marked it out clearly. The path all the way to the right. Don't get off the path. Stay with the message. So, you know, we have spent 50, 60 years since we have discovered where we're at in time. That we as a church have journeyed now. We can look back on the map. So we started back here on the day of Pentecost and we come down through here, Ephesus and Smyrna. And I, that, that signpost was, that signpost right there, that was uh, Paul. And, and here, here it was. And we can trace it right on down through seven ages. And we have now come to the last one. Now, as we're sailing along in the boat, and, you know, resting between revivals and, you know, get a little relaxing time. And we're not only testifying about what God did, but then we start talking about the doctrines of Jesus. And somehow we begin to hear things and views that are expressed in the boat uh, that Pentecost is not our goal, is not our destination. It's not where we're supposed to be. That, you know, that somehow or another, you know, before Jesus went to sleep in our boat, he taught, the, and all believers used to believe, that Malachi 4 was to turn our hearts back to the faith of the Pentecostal fathers. But now many are not sure that they're even to be like the original church. Well, I want you to say God had a church like he wanted and now he wants a church like he started. But somehow the thought is we're to end up somewhere different than what was poured out at Pentecost. And winds that begin to howl and the devil gets into those winds and, you know, there's no such things as miracles. You know, just quieten down your testimony, boys, you know. Women, don't you say amen no more. I mean, you know, come on. Yeah, they, we, there's nothing to be excited about. It's just a boat trip. God don't do miracles anymore. But even the devil that gets in the storm knows Assuredly that the original church at Pentecost with the power of God, Mark 16 in action, is the true church that Jesus claims as his own and all else is false. It has to be. He said Christ in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. Amen. So you know, we're not just returning to the book of Acts. We are continuing where they failed, we have went back there and we're going to finish the race. Now the seven ages were represented by seven lamps. The holy fire from the altar being passed from lamp to lamp is a type of the Holy Spirit in the seven church ages. That original outpouring of the Holy, of the holy Ghost at Pentecost 
which came direct from Jesus on the mercy seat, is enduring, uh, is endowing his church um, through this all seven ages, showing he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what happened? God lit the first one, the light from there, lights the next, the light from there, lights the next, all the way down to the end, showing Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But somehow we've been told now we got something different than what they had in Acts 2. Indeed, many has. It's true. It don't match the original outpouring at all. And whatever this snake oil is that they're trying to burn, the fire of God won't stay lit on it. You see, what the church was at Pentecost is the standard. That is the pattern. There is no other pattern. But somehow we're winding up with something different. We don't want to be those Acts 2.38 screaming, blabbering, shouting amen who have the second Adam's way of acting. We don't want children like that. So then the church becomes like those women screaming down there about Roe versus Wade. We want to kill those because we don't want that kind of noise in our church. So we'll abort those noisy kids or we don't have time for that in our society church. After all, it's our body. It's our church. Well, your womb was to bend for the Holy Spirit to bear forth his life. In case women have forgotten, that's what a womb is for. That's what marriage is all about, to reproduce that life again. And why does God want a womb in this last day? He wants to reproduce his life. He wants to put his spirit into a body. And he wants that seed of his own seed. He don't want it of ever Tom, Dick, and Harry out here. He wants it out of his own life. But we're told to expect different results. And if, and if the original root at Pentecost was an orange tree, how come we got bitter lemons as fruit? And it isn't long that in this boat, you know, these oars, these precious truths that we were to push the boat along with, have wound up as weapons against one another. You don't think that's end time prophecy? Part of the end time prophecy is they waited on the master's return. They began to beat one another. That's part of the coming. That's part of what will happen in the end time. Amen. And so, you know, instead of using it there to further the gospel, we'll use it to beat one another with. Amen. But I want to say scripture doesn't fight scripture. And quotes don't fight quotes. Amen. And if we're going to say, well, the word has been restored, well, then take all of it. Every bit of it. Amen. I want every bit of it. If there's tongues in it, I want it. If there's healing in it, I want it. If there's shouting in it, I want it. Amen. If there's a Christian stable life in it, I want it. Whatever it has, I want it. 
true church will always try to be like the original at Pentecost. The true church today will try to approximate the early first one. The messengers through the churches having the same spirit of God in them will try to approximate the apostle Paul. They won't be exactly like him, but the true messengers will be the ones that come closest to Paul, who was free of all men, sold out to God, gave forth the word of God only, manifested the Holy Ghost in power. None else will do. You got to work from the original as the light begins life. The true church will always be the one that tries to follow in the steps of her founders at Pentecost and her messengers will follow the apostle Paul. The first messenger to the first stage is that simple and that wonderful. But in case you noticed around, it's getting dark. Out here on this boat, you know, the skies ain't friendly. Waves are coming up. Troubles on every hand. Wars and political strife. The climate isn't real good for us on this journey. Amen. I mean, there's every kind of things that, uh, that we're, where the left has their agenda and we're going to have our liberal world order. What's sure they're going to crown Satan? We're, we, are, we are in a transition where there's a bride ascending and Satan being cast out. And one day he'll be full, full king of the earth, but thank God we won't be here. But right now we're already feeling the winds of persecution. We're feeling the winds, the winds and the storms of judgment. We're feeling the heat of the tribulation. Already pre-tribulation plagues are coming up on the earth. You can't even send your kids to school without them coming out contaminated. Twofold more child of hell when they come out than what they were when they went in. It's a troubled world that we're in. And Satan's got an agenda. Now, John, you know, before all this tempest got up, Real big, you know. He began, maybe it started with him, a testimony. Brother Brandon said his heart wasn't so scarred with so much theology. And he must have said, think of it, right in this ship. This one that's identified by Jehovah's word to be Jehovah's servant and whom he is pleased is right here in the ship with us. You know, you get your heart all scarred with theology. Preacher friend of mine just wrote me this morning. I just listened to Brother Donnie preaching scarred human beings. It's a, it's a sermon that's just, that has just been so profound. But let me tell you, a lot of people are scarred with theology. They've been scarred by preachers. They've been scarred by doctrines. They've been scarred by attitudes of church members. They've been scarred, you know, by, by theology. You know, well, we got the thunders right. We, we are the seals. I mean, we're the opening of the word. We, and it don't live, but they're the opening of the word. We're, we're just coming. We're the epiphany. We are the Perusia. And, well, you know, it is, it is, and after a while, you get so out of focus, there ain't even one Lord in focus anymore. There's two laying in your ship. How'd there get to be two Jehovah's and two Jesus's and 
two lords and Amen. But your heart, but, but when your heart isn't scarred, so scarred instead of thinking, oh, I'm so glad of this certain theology. Man, I'm in the bride. And man, I'll click our four no more. When your heart isn't really scarred, you're just thankful for his life and power within you. Because not to know his theology is life. Not to know even the Bible is life, but to know him is life. To know him is your savior. The one who's filled you with his Holy Spirit. You were there when it happened. And nobody can take that away from you. You see, that's what Smith Wigglesworth said years ago. He said, he that hath an experience is not merely, is, is not at the mercies of those who merely have an argument. And I tell you, if you don't get the Holy Ghost, somebody will out-argue you somewhere and talk you out of the message and discredit the messenger. And it's done that to many, but if you've got an anchor, if you've got an experience, you may not be able to explain every bit of that and understand all of that and how come that, how come that Jesus called that woman a dog and how come that he, he did this and ate with sinners and how come he was, how, why did he do that? You may not be able to understand, but you know this, I met him and he changed my life. Some people say, leave the message, Brother Tim. Leave the message. Leave the message. I said, well, give me something better. Show me something better. If I'm going to leave this, I wouldn't leave it for something unless it's better. You know what you got? Look at your kids. Look at the drinking habits coming back, the smoking, the doping, the anti-God. Look what it's doing to your family. Look how it's taking away holiness. and Look how the fornication and adultery is coming. Look at your lives. Amen. Like Brother, Brother Ron told one that left his church, said, you know, t- take a picture now of what you are. Because... Down here, it's going to be a different picture. And them same ones, you know, that left for something better. Now tattoos on their fingers, on their hands. What are they tattooing? Well done. So because I have to tattoo it here because I'll never hear it there. But you know, God called ministers ought not be so stuffed with theology. Don't look to psychology on how to fix problems. Preach the Holy Ghost and power. That'll fix every marriage problem. That'll fix your home life. That'll fix your children. A good old-fashioned prayer meeting. Amen. will fix the argument in your home. Amen. It'll soften down the woman and make her subject to her husband. It'll put a leadership in the man and make him a godly leader. Are you with me? 
today. Amen. But psychology will never do that. It'll put a band-aid on your problem, but it won't fix the problem because it's sin nature that's got to be dealt with. Brother Branham said preachers ought not be so stiffed with theology but have visited the land to where we're going, bringing back evidence of divine love and the power of Jesus Christ to make known to their congregation there's a land beyond the river. Hallelujah. But you know, they felt pretty secure. And you can feel very secure knowing Jesus is in your boat. And you know, whatever we're doing is we're driving along life's ways, going down the highways. Jesus lays in the ship. You know, he's in our little boat as we're, we're sailing life's solemn main. And just think of it. It's comforting to know, he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Amen. It's comforting to know that we're sealed to the day of redemption. Not just to the next revival. We're sealed even when there isn't revival. Even when we don't feel joy. Even when the meeting's over with and we've gone home and back to the regular routine, we know he's with us. But you see, when trouble set in, they forgot all about it. You know, but yet he was still as great as he ever was. He was the one who created the sea. He was the one who created the wind. He created the world. He was able to part the Red Sea. Goodness, what could he do with water? Amen. He could heal the leper, give sight to the blind. He was great as he was any time. He's still just as great. Amen. He's still just as great as what he was in the divine healing movement. He's still just as great as he was in the prophet. Come on, church. Amen. And, but you know, as I said, as, you, as you're going along and the winds begin to blow and trouble comes in, you know, then we find little fusses come up in the church. You know, churches have been split over having a sidewalk built to the bathroom or the, what do y'all call it here, washroom. We wash clothes in a washroom. <laughs> but anyway, you know, and churches split over that. Had church split over the most frivolous things, most silliest things. And especially you get in a building project or, a, or an expansion and watch the arguments fly. And then the next thing, you know, you know I mean, nothing's going right. You know, that'll destroy the church. So, well, our pastor, pray for him. Have an all-night revival meeting. Call on God. He can change the situation. He'll either move in him or move him out. Amen. Oh, if we could just catch the vision. God hasn't left us. Amen. He's the great the great almighty Jehovah, the Holy Ghost in spirit form is in you. Amen. Jesus said, at that day you will know that I'm in the Father, the Father in me, and I in you. 
that all that God was, he poured into Jesus, and all that Jesus was, he pours into the church. He divided himself on the day of Pentecost. The pillar of fire came down. Amen, and busted itself up, and the Shekinah glory put in different ones. Tongues of fire seen on each one of them. The Holy Spirit, God identifying himself in human beings. Do you believe that? Each one of you with the Holy Ghost has a portion of deity within you. Amen. And that portion is omnipotent. There's no big heavy spots in God and little weak spots in God. The very little smallest touch of God is omnipotent. There's omnipotent power laying within your life and in this church. Some just need to wake Jesus. He's there, but you just let him go to sleep in your life. And others don't have Jesus to wake up. Some individuals, some people, some churches have went off without him. And there's two kinds. Some have him, he went to sleep. And some have him or don't have him. They went on the journey. Can you imagine going on a journey without Jesus? You know, and, and so they don't have Jesus to wake up. But I just want to say to you, you know, you without Jesus this morning. And churches without Jesus. And even preachers without Jesus. I just want to say this, that even in that troublesome times, those without Jesus was not all lost. Jesus suddenly appeared on those troubled waters. And he invited Peter and them to walk on those troubled waters. Hallelujah. Can you imagine that people even that went off without Jesus, he comes because he ain't going to lose one of his. He's been watching you all along. Amen. He's been seeing you from the distance. And he knows you're about to capsize. He knows you're about to go down. But here he comes walking on your troubled waters. Mm, I can speak in tongues right now. Hallelujah. He comes walking. On your troubled waters. Just take a step toward him. Come on, Peter. Amen. Lord, if it's you, bid me come. That's what he's doing. Come on. Come on. I'll make you walk on that. I'll make you walk over that vaping. I'll make you walk over that cigarette. I'll make you walk over those drugs. I'll make you walk on top of that porn. I'll make you walk over that habit. Come on, somebody. I'll make you, I'll be, you'll be able to put your foot down on any promise. And the devil will be under your feet and you'll walk on stormy waters. God invites you to experience the miraculous. Even those that went without him, he's inviting you to experience the miraculous. You can walk on your waters. There's a devil in that sea. Yeah, there is, but you can walk on him. 
If he's not under your feet, like Brother Timothy said, he's out of his place. He invites you to experience miraculous. So, well, I might stumble. Well, Peter did. He made a few steps there, and then he got troubled by all the waters. Oh, no. You know, I, 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 bid, I heard him say, bid coming. Now, what am I going to do? My girlfriend will leave me. My, 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 this will happen, and how am I going to handle this situation? And, oh, my goodness, this, these waves are t- taller than these. I'll surely drown out here. I, I, you know, and the moment you do, you'll start sinking. The moment you begin to look at your circumstances, some of you have been invited to walk over your sickness. And then you'll see those circumstances and say, I can't do this. But Jesus said, come. And he never asks you to come unless he gives you the ability. Come on, church. Peter didn't have the ability to walk on the water. Jesus gave him that ability. You can't overcome that sickness. You can't overcome that sin. But Jesus will give you the ability to overcome that sin. I'm preaching to somebody. Hallelujah. Oh, but oh, Brother Tim, I'll tell you, that happened yesterday and I'm already sinking. Well, quit your eyes off of that and look on Jesus again and say, Lord, help me. I perish. And guess what? Peter wasn't a man who just walked on the water once. He walked on the water twice. Come on, somebody. He walked on the water twice. Listen, my God's a God of second chances. Third chances. Fourth chances. Fifth chances. Sixth chances. Seventh chances. He'll never give up. He will not be defeated. If you walked on water once, you can walk on water twice. But whatever you do, just keep walking until you get Jesus in your boat. You don't have to drown out there. You don't have to waller in self-pity. You don't have to say this is dead. You you don't have to go into suicide. You can invite Jesus in your boat. Walk on your water toward him till you and him gets in the boat together. And you know what happens then? The storm will cease. will lift you up and make you to walk on water again and come to your ship and then you'll have Jesus in your boat. And with Jesus in your boat, you can crest any storm. You can go through any troubled water. You can go through any problem in life. It, It will save you when you're dying. It will heal you. It will deliver you. Jesus is in your boat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
There they was, their boat, on the other hand, was about to sink. And somebody finally remembered. That the one they'd been ignoring, too busy with theology, too busy with church anity, too busy just going through the motion of things, too busy with life. And the one they had been ignoring was asleep. And somebody said, we better wake Jesus up. These waves, we ain't going to make it. If Jesus don't come to wake in our lives, we're never going to make it. We got to get to the other side. Amen. So it dawned on somebody, you know, that the one who had been resting between the revivals, the one they had let go to sleep, because the emphasis was put on other things. Oh, they were still talking about Jesus. They were still discussing the quotes. They were even slapping one another with oars and saying, you big dummy, you know, I've got more revelation than you. And, you know, I was the first to meet Jesus. And I was the first to recognize him. And I'm number one preacher in the message. And All that may be okay until storm comes. But when the storm comes, you're going to need Jesus. All of a sudden, two lords ain't so important. I better know the Lord. All of a sudden, an emotionless religion kind of gets emotional. I need Jesus. When you begin to realize your need, that he's got to be brought back to the forefront, that he's got to be number one in your life, that he can't just be resting between revival and we're fussing and stewing and worried and tore up and doubting while the creator is laying in our boat. Listen, the very God, let it dawn on us today. That, you know, that this dawning just come there, that the very God that separated you from your mother, that gave you the Holy Ghost, that he's just as much God right now in your storm. You say, Brother Tim, I'm so disappointed how life has turned out. I'm disappointed with, with people. I'm disappointed with churches. I'm, I, you get so disappointed you don't even come to church no more. You're so disappointed. You won't even do what the Bible says no more. You don't assemble yourself with other believers. Well, ain't nobody believes like I do. You done throwed your oars away. They're too broke up and beat up. Whittled down. Till it won't push the boat toward the promise. Well, I'll tell you what, I got enough of God in me. I don't need Wednesday night. Come on, 
I got enough Holy Ghost. I'll tell you, I got enough of him. I, I don't need a refilling. These preachers preaching about a refilling, I don't need it. I'm self-secured. I tell you, I got him many years ago. When I got him, I tell you what, my experience, it helps me, and I'm, I'm here to this day, and, you know, I don't need nothing. Laodicea, God, I don't need you no more. But when the storm gets up, and it's not going to get any better, it's fixing to get worse. You think you've seen the wave of sin. It ain't nothing yet. But it began to dawn them, you know, that, and, and Brother Branham said, maybe, and he, he had come to the end of the divine healing movement, and listen to his words, maybe between the revivals now, and we are looking for another stir where there's got to have, have something happen that will gather the church together. Amen. You know, this revival, it will crescendo in the dead in Christ rising and us being changed to meet the Lord in the air. Now, now look, we've got to get there. We've got to get to the other side. There's things that's got to happen. You see, on the other side, there was a legions. There was legions waiting for deliverance. And, and, and you see, legion had, had been, he, he was so overtaken by, by sin and chains. And they, you know, all kinds of things. And he was among the tombs. Are you with me? And their legion there, he, 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 he was among the tombs, dead things. And Jesus went to deliver a man who was among the tombs. Because one moment, just in one moment, when he was there at his worst, just for a brief second, he came to himself enough to whisper a prayer, God, help me. And it just so happened that the God he was praying to was across the sea, way over there, out of what they thought was hearing. But you see, God's never out of hearing. He hears even a legion's prayer. That little whisper from the worst sinner saying, God, help me. Maybe it was just whispered that morning in the tomb. And Jesus left the other meetings. Why, he had come all the way from heaven. Come on, somebody. He had not just left the meeting. He had come all the way from, from heaven to find legion. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He'll come all the way from glory this morning. He'll orchestrate one meeting. He'll, he'll have the entire meeting for one legion. For one person. For one sinner. He's a God 
cares? He cares for you. He cares about your sickness. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised because of your iniquity. The weapons you should have taken, he took them for you. And by those stripes, you are delivered. Delivered. On the other side, on the other side of this storm, on the other side of this awakening, on this other side of awakening Jesus, there was, there was those who were going to be touched. But Jesus had to be wakened in the boat before they could be delivered. They were on the way to deliverance of men who had been among the tombs, broken men, shattered, helpless lives. Oh my, what do I hear around the message? I hear sounds of spastic children, of little kids with autism, laying there afflicted for years and years, little more than mindless vegetables and exhausted parents. I hear of husbands that are drunks, smothered over memories of a horrible childhood where he watched murders happen or awful things happen to him. I hear of children suffering with demonic oppression, with intense sadness until they wish to die. I hear of mothers crying for their children that were raised in the message, but now they're bound with alcohol and drugs and unimaginable sins, and I wonder, can they be free? So, Brother Tim, it's awful for you to build hope for them. No, there is hope. So there is no hope. I'm not trying to give anybody hope. I'm preaching faith. I'm preaching faith because the legion, the bound, the affliction, the blind, the deaf, the dumb, the cancer stricken, the sick are waiting for us to realize that Jesus is in our ship. Don't you know, Brother Tim, there's no hope for them? Yeah, I know they're hopeless. Mental, you know, medical science can do nothing for them. Drug rehab cannot help them. AA can't help them. Amen. Cancer treatments can't help them, can't cure the problem. But oh, God loved us so much, He brought us out of sin. Amen. What's the matter us? Why would we be spineless enough that we can't believe that he would deliver us from our afflictions? We got to change our thinking. We got to realize that Jesus is in our ship. That same one that healed the sick and opened the eyes of the blind. That same one that restored hearing to the death. That healed cancer. That same God that got a hold of women that came to Brother Brandon's meetings that were hopeless, alcoholics, prostitutes.
prostitutes and God changed them into witnesses for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah, that same God is still God. I know he's still God. I've seen what he does. I've seen him open the eyes of the blind. Amen, I've seen cripples walk. Eight years ago when my wife had her first brain bleed, she was laying there in the bed. After that, she couldn't see. The peripheral vision was gone. She had limited eyesight. She's laying there wondering about her future. She's wondering how it was going to be not to be able to see and not to be able to drive. It was in a horrible condition. That's okay. It's raining outside. It's going to be raining in here before it's over. Let it rain. Let it rain. Let me just tell you, my wife laying there in that condition. We had an 18-month-old child in the home at that time. Michael and Bethany, my daughter and son-in-law, were living with us. Little Drew had been born, and, and he was unable to walk or crawl. Couldn't even pull up. At 18 months old, he could, we could put him on his little hands there, and he just totter. He couldn't take a step. Doctors said he had an underdeveloped hip. He was talking about operations. Earlier before that at our family camp, Bethany had come to the prayer line leaving her baby there in, the, in, a, in a room with a baby monitor to listen out for it and came through the prayer line and Brother Ron stopped her and said, where's your baby? He said, I just saw him in a vision walking. Yeah. It brought him... Had prayer for him. Nothing happened right then. Now that was about a year old, and now it was, now it was um, later in the year. He's 18 months old. He still don't crawl, can't pull up, barely sits alone, weak in his body, unable to crawl or stand alone. Bethany comes in that morning, and she sets little Drew at the end of her mother's bed. And her mother had been sitting there kind of in despair, feeling sorry for herself. And then she began to remember, but I got Jesus in this ship. And she began to think, with him in his ship, all things are possible. And I don't have to fear about the future. I know God's a healer. And she just lifted her hand to begin to praise him. And as she did, her sight came back. And the Holy Spirit moved over that bed to that baby sitting in the middle of the floor. And he jumped up by himself out of the middle of the floor and ran all over our house. You know why? Because she realized we got Jesus in that ship. And with Jesus in our ship, he'll cure cancer. He'll heal diseases. Amen. He'll take care of your problem. He's there for you and your family. He's there for your children. He's there for your grandchildren. He's there for your wife. He's there for you young people. He's there for you old people. God has never forgot you. 
Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. What am I trying to do? Get your mind back on what we got. Amen. You say, well, Brother Tim, you're just trying to give somebody hope. Well, Abraham against hope. He believed in hope. And when hope was against him and there was no longer any reason to hope, for all hope was gone, he believed anyway. So even if I'm trying to get you to hope, I'm certainly trying to get you to believe in hope. Believe in that hope. Now, but it's not going to do any good until you start believing it. Come on. Amen. So therefore, I'm trying to stir up the gift of God that's in your life. Amen. But remember, we're between revivals. That's what we've been. But we're right here on the edge where there's an awakening going on. Somebody's awakening Jesus. I'm trying to stir up the gift in your life this morning. Amen. And Brother Branham said in the message token, I'm looking for a time, a break forth of the Spirit of God in these last days that we're now living in for another surge of the Holy Spirit into the church for a rapture and vague just before it comes. And everything is sitting straight in order for that. And I believe we're at a time that the Word should have preeminence. Amen. Hallelujah. He said the church is ready. She's sealed in, ready to come. There will be a big outpouring of the Spirit, yes, sir, to grab that church and take her into the skies. Exactly. Because, see, the church, the word, the bride, and Christ, the ministry is in his bride, which is body, the supernatural spiritual body of his on the earth right now. Hallelujah. His last sermon, he left these words in the message communion. You know the hour will soon arise when right among us the Holy Spirit will speak out like it did in Ananias Sapphira. Remember that hour is arriving. Now you just remember that, that God is going to dwell among his people. That's what he wants to do now. Hallelujah. Amen. Another shaking. Brother Branham talked about it. Another shaking. What is it? we got to shake Jesus within us. Bring him to the forefront. Theology ain't going to help you. You tried the oars, the rigging, the sails. They've been all broke apart. All your arguments on, on message theology breaks all apart in storms. I mean, we need Jesus. Hallelujah. Brother Branham said there's still room even for more at the table. He said, God's going to send another shaking across the country because there's somebody still out there. It might be your child. It might be your grandchild. It might be your husband, your wife, but there's a seed out there somewhere. Brother Tim, you've been preaching the coming of the Lord for years. Yeah, there's been many laid right in front of here that that the Lord came for, but he's still coming. He'll come for you. He might come for you today. You don't know when he's coming. Amen. In the signs of a believing church, there will be miracles. Signs of a believing church, there will be healing. There will be a genuine atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. Oh, we don't want the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost, Brother Dan. We want something that will mature us. Well, guess what matures you? If the Holy Ghost don't do it, I don't want that maturity. 
Amen. There will be gifts of the Spirit in that church. There will be genuine Christians living and overcoming life in that church. Hallelujah. Oh, my. Now, you know, again, there's so many things that we could go to. We've been waiting for the coming of the Lord. We've been resting between revivals. We can, oh, I remember we had this meeting and that baby there. You remember, you remember Brother Branham talking about that baby that had been laying there for two days and the Holy Spirit raised it up again? And, and this person came blind, twisted, lame, afflicted. I love it, friends. When I've seen Brother Ron and I stood together in meetings there in Germany, and there in that meeting there, as the word went forth, even without hands laid on, a woman come in there holding in her hands two hearing aids and said, I don't need these anymore. I didn't even realize what happened to me, but last night I was healed in the service. And I didn't catch it until when I took my hearing aids out and, and was in the shower and I could hear it running. I could hear children outside playing. I've been healed. Hallelujah. That's what happens when Jesus comes awake in a congregation. But Brother Brandon said, you know, he isn't actually asleep. Because our God neither slumbers or sleep. He said he's just been laying there waiting for you to come to realize your need of him. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He's there. He's ready at any time the moment that you start believing to heal you from your wounded, broken spirit. To save you by his grace. Somebody help me preach. Amen. He's right there. Amen. He, he's been blessing us all the time. He's been listening to our testimonies. Yeah, he even heard us when we was arguing and fussing and fighting and breaking oars over each one's head. He was there all the time. Maybe sometimes he was grieved, but he was there. Amen. But he's just waiting on you this morning to say, Jesus, the storm's too big. The trouble's too great. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. I need revival. I need revival. There's legions that needs deliverance. There's sick that needs to be healed. There's the blind eyes that needs to come open. There's the death that needs to be healed. I need a change. Call him on the scene this morning. Amen. There is hope for revival. Oh, I went off without him. There is hope for revival. He'll come walking on your water this morning, knocking on your heart. Don't be afraid of him. Amen. Don't be afraid of him. It's been so long since somebody's spoken to him. You're afraid you might be Pentecostal. Been, it's been so long since something happened in this. Oh, they might think we're fanatics. Don't be afraid of him. He's the one that'll make you walk on your waters. Hallelujah. Amen. We need a tongue-talking Acts 2.38 experience. We need a revival in our hearts. We need a renewing of the Holy Ghost from the old to the young. I don't care how long you've been in the message. You need it. Wake that Jesus.
Jesus in your life. And if he's not there, call for him. And say, Lord, help me to walk on my waters. Help me, Lord. I perish. Why don't you stand to your feet right now? Amen. You know what you need to do. You know what you need to do. You know. You know whether he's in your boat or not. Amen. You know. You know if he's just been allowed to go to sleep and he's just been dormant there. You know. Even preachers know when your ministry isn't anointed anymore and you're just preaching a, an intellectual sermon with, with a human ability. You know. It'll never work. Call Jesus on the scene. Calling for a renewed faith, a renewed love, a renewed commitment, a renewed experience. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. Oh, don't pass me by. Play that pass me not, oh gentle Savior. Don't pass me by. Amen. Can you be the blind Bartimaeus this morning? Say, Jesus. asleep in your boat but just say Jesus I want you alive and real I want to see you the same yesterday today and forever I want to feel that quickening power again until the first love comes back until joy unspeakable and full of glory comes down into my life I want to wake you Jesus let my faith reach out and wake you this morning. Bring to the forefront. That's what it means, wake. Bring him back to the forefront. Bring him back to where he's the mainspring in your life. That it isn't about trying to live here in this society. It ain't about Laodicea. He'll make you walk on your water. Don't fear. So I might lose this. I might lose this friend. I, I might lose this. So I, what are you going to gain? Don't look at what you're going to lose. That's what a matter what a mini altar call. The person goes to focus. I'll lose my friends and I'll have to give up my drugs and I'll have to give up my tobacco and I'll have to give up my girlfriend and I'll have to give up this. It ain't. Listen, what you're going to get is a lot more valuable than anything you're giving up. I had a young boy in the church, you know, and over and over and over he'd come to the altar and want to try to get right and, and get the Holy Ghost. And finally one day he said to me, he said, Brother Tim, he said, you know why I can't get the Holy Ghost? I said, why? He says, because I love my cigarettes. And that's why I can't get it. I said, yeah. Oh, it makes me feel so good after a meal. I said, and it's killing you. It's destroying your lungs. It's hurting your body. It'll bring you cancer. And you love that? That is sworn to destroy your life more than Jesus? But that wasn't the end of the story. He got to where he hated cigarettes. And he wanted Jesus. Amen. Amen. He got the point that he wanted Jesus more than cigarettes, more than drugs, more than girlfriend, more than anything. I got 
save me, Lord, I perish. Hear my humble cry. While on others you're calling, don't pass me by. Come on, you a couple of Holy Ghost filled brothers from just run right over there and pray with this one right there. Join Brother Ron there. Come on, there's got to be some people here, Holy Ghost filled enough, you know how to pray. You don't just have to be a minister. Amen. Call on your heart for the lost. Let him speak to your heart today. What about you? He'll make you walk on your waters. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You've been praying for that brother. You've been praying for that sister. You've been praying for that husband, wife. He'll make them walk on waters. He's here. He's here for you this morning. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you to the end of the world. He ain't left you. He's right there in you. Stir him up this morning. It says, Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift of God within you. Stir that up. Bring it to the forefront. Ask him to come in your life. Make of those surrender. While on others you're calling, don't pass me by. Lord Jesus, don't pass me Oh, Brother Tim, I'm not that one without Jesus in my boat. Then don't pass me by. Don't Don't just let it go on. Don't let him sleep another moment. Don't let him rest another moment. Let him be active, working, moving in your life. Till the hallelujahs rolls, till the glories to God comes out, till you're not ashamed of your testimony, till you're so in love with Jesus. You forget about everything else but Him. Amen. You make a full surrender. Hallelujah, Jesus. While on others, are Amen. While He's calling on some mother's boy, maybe that ain't your child at the altar. But remember, that's going to be your child one day. So pray now, just like it was your boy there now, or your girl there now. Call on God. Savior. Savior. Hear my humble cry. and up-to-date experience. While on others, thou art calling. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship him now from the bottom of your heart. Don't pass me by, Lord. Don't pass me by. Amen. You're calling on others, but I need you, Lord. Amen. But the waves are getting too deep. ones I can't solve but come Lord I'm at your throne of mercy today I want mercy to rewrite my life I want it to bring Jesus to the forefront what the reality of God renewing of the Holy Ghost what revival in my heart kneeling there Lord I'm sorry I'm sorry Lord the way I've ignored you the way that I've failed to 
bring you to the forefront. The way I just let you pass by so many times. I'm a little afraid I might get a little fanatical. A little afraid I might have to give up something. I didn't realize what I was getting, Lord. Can restore you today. Oh, hear my cry. Hallelujah, Jesus. And while on others, while on others that you're calling, don't pass me, Lord. Make a full surrender to you, Lord. I want it from all the way from the front to the, to all the way to the way back in the back up in the up in the balcony. I want us to be one body. We heard yesterday about being in one accord, one mind and one accord. Wasn't we both like John Deere's and and then quit liking Kubota's? It wasn't some. We had similarities like that. We had one thing. We were waiting. Yeah. In the upper room, a power came. That's what they were one accord about. We gotta have the power. That's what we need in one accord this morning. We got the mechanics. We gotta have the dynamics. Let the fire come in the engine. Let the Holy Ghost fall. Amen. I want you with one accord now. Raise your hands to God. That's a united body and say, Pass me not. Pass me not, O General Savior. Pass me not. Yes. Come on. I know you're a little bit Canadian and maybe sometimes a little formal. Get out of it right now enough. Amen. We ought to get our church order left for somebody to get saved. For somebody to get delivered. Hallelujah. Amen. Get out. Break out of your forms. Break out of your... And call him to the scene today. Amen. Ask him for a renewing of the Holy Ghost. I need a renewing God. I need your power. I need to walk on my waters. Amen. I need to walk on my waters. I need to walk over my troubles. Amen. I need to sail to every stormy sea. I need to get to the legion, to the lost. My grandson, my child, my loved one, my daughter, and my, my church. We need you, Jesus. There's legions out there that need saving. Lord, let us get to them. Why wouldn't I wait, Jesus? Because the sleeping Jesus will never deal, can never heal a legion, can never set the captive free. Invite him right now to your life in Jesus' name. Sing it again. Savior, Savior, Savior.